If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, we open up this episode by talking about current events, studies, and our lives. And then after 40 minutes, we jump into some fitness questions. Here's what we talked about in the first 40-minute intro of this episode. I started by talking about a study on coffee fruit extract and how this increases BDNF, that's brain-derived neurotropic factor, in the brain. So this actually increases a compound that nourishes your brain cells. It's like miracle Grow for your brain. Well, one of the supplements that Organifi cells, Pure, which is meant for brain health, naturally would contain this compound. Now, we are uh, sponsored by Organifi. They are one of our sponsors and partners. If you go to Organifi.com forward slash Mind Pump and use the code Mind Pump, you'll get a full 20% off. Then we talked about habits that we pass down to our kids and dogs, things that we tend to regret. Mm. I talked about the vape crisis in quotations, not really a crisis. Uh, Adam brought up Dennis Rodman's 30 for 30 and how Dennis Rodman strongly influenced him to paint his toenails yeah, he when he was an adult. His nails. That's yeah. it. Then we talked about the documentary The Pursuit. Highly recommend this documentary. One of the better documentaries I've seen in a very long time. Go watch it. We talked about Bill Burr's new Netflix special. He, uh, he. I think he might have jumped over Dave Chappelle in terms of who was more he offensive. He was on fire. It was great. On fire. And then I talked about the fatty acid profile difference between grass-fed and grain-fed beef. Uh, grass-fed beef has much higher rates of omega-3 fatty acids, and it's also slightly higher in other key nutrients. Mm. Now, one of our partners is ButcherBox. They deliver to your door high-quality meats, beef, uh, chicken, pork, bacon products, uh, sausage products, all kinds of different things, grass-fed meat to your door at good prices. If you go to butcherbox.com forward slash mind pump and you sign up between August 22nd and September 29th, you will get ground beef for life, free ground beef for life. Uh, you'll also get two pounds of, gra- of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef in every box for the life of your subscription, plus... $20 off your first box. Ooh, you want to be a high-quality human? You eat high-quality meat. It's so. crazy. Yeah. Then we got to the fitness portion of this episode. The first question, what pre-workout do we take, and what do we recommend for someone who has a caffeine tolerance? So we talk all about things you can take and do before your workout to give you a better workout. The next question, how do you make the most of your rest time during a workout? So what should you do when you rest to maximize the effectiveness of your workout? The Puzzles. next question... What do we do or not do when we're bored with our training? So we give our advice. If you're someone who's finding yourself a little bored with your workouts and you need a little spice in your life, you'll love that part of this episode. And the final question, should you change your macros when you're having a deload week? A deload week is when you lower dramatically lower the intensity or the volume of a workout to allow your body to recover. Also, this month, MAPS Starter, which is our introductory to resistance training program program is 50% off. So this program is perfect for people who want to get started with resistance training, for people who want to reap all the best benefits of resistance training. They want to sculpt their body, build more strength, and more importantly, speed up their metabolisms to get leaner. If you're somebody who hasn't worked out in a while, or you have never lifted weights, or 
you have a family member or friend who needs to get started and they don't know how to get started. This is the perfect program. Here's the best part. The entire program can be done with a pair of dumbbells and a physio ball. So it's extremely convenient. You could do it at home. Now the program's half off. Here's how you get the discount. Go to mapsstarter.com. That's M-A-P-S-S-T-A-R-T-E-R.com and use the code STARTER50, S-T-A-R-T-E-R-5-0, no space for the discount. What's the deal with the, the Organifi Pure? They want us to... They want a pure push. They want to do a pure push? Yeah, oh, pure, like a good old-fashioned pure push. <laughs> like, a yeah. drug, like a drug pusher? That's, yeah, it's, it's like missionary it's style. The easy, it's the easiest one to push. It's the thing we That's take. the one we use every day. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I'm always season. pushing it in so, my brain. So speaking of which, uh, I'm always looking up compounds and the supplements that we may take or the, like the stuff that I take just to see different studies and how they work in the body. There's something in the pure, because you know, I've talked about how they have lion mane. They also have something called coffee berry extract. Oh. That's in there. So the coffee berry is the part that's thrown away whenever we typically make. Is there still remnants of caffeine? No, from that. No. no. So the coffee berry extract raises uh, BDNF in the brain. Yeah. Brain derived neurotropic factor. You guys ever heard of that before? Yeah, no. I have. In fact, I was just listening to a uh, men- like mental a- wellness TED talk, and the guy was talking about the importance of that with mm. uh, with mental wellness. Yes. So BDNF low levels have been correlated with depression, yeah. with uh, neurodegenerative disorders. Higher le- levels have been correlated with better neuroplasticity, so in, in essence, maybe faster and better learning um, and healthier brains. Um, I've heard it be compared to like miracle grow for your brain. So it's like fertilizer hmm. for your brain. And there's there's things that will raise BDNF in the brain. So this Exor- is from the coffee bean? Yeah, 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 yeah. So exercise raises BDNF, uh, BDNF quite a bit. But there are compounds that you can consume that seem to raise them as well. And coffee bean extract is one of the things. And that's one of the things that the Organifi Pure. I got to share that TED uh-huh. talk with you guys. I think you guys will really like it. Yeah. Which one? The one that you I'm, just talked about? Yeah, that I, I literally just watched that yesterday, and that was one of the things that he was discussing. Now, he was talking about uh, using that uh, analogy to explain why it's so important that we move. Because mm. I guess when we create the movement, you get mm-hmm. your, your body releases a ton of that, right, in comparison. And that's why we feel so good like after we just moving. Too. What you do, what's good for the body tends to be good for the brain. Also, because no. it's all part of the same organism, right. obviously. It's so yeah. funny how it's we separate. Logical. Yeah, yeah, we tend to separate things. Well, we've done that with medicine, too. I mean, it's just like we're trying to figure out and compartmentalize this one part of the system, and mm-hmm. you have to consider the whole. Now, so, another, another thing that's good for the brain is um, uh, well, choline, obviously, that, which some scientists are saying should be considered a, an essential um, nutrient. Choline you can find in, in high amounts in, in uh, animal products, especially egg, egg yolks, yolk, yeah. um, and cholesterol. Cholesterol is very good. Uh, dietary cholesterol seems to be good for the brain and muscle. Um, and you guys know how I mess around with it, in- increasing my cholesterol intake. I'm in a cycle of doing that right now. So I'm eating, I'll eat like six to 10 egg yolks a day for a little while. And I always, yeah, always notice strength gains. And there's tons of studies, by the way, to support this. Tons of studies that is show that. Where that, that yoked. Uh, terminology comes maybe. from? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Probably, 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 probably Justin's not. winning. The, the dad jokes? He's killing I me right I have to beat you. you. You've been like uh, like void of those lately. You no, guys were talking about the uh, the beating an F, which reminded me of the TED Talk, just reminded me of something that I wanted to ask you guys because when I was listening to the TED Talk was actually when I was walking the dogs. And 
Uh, I've got my headphones in. I've got uh, the baby on me. I'm listening. I'm walking the dogs. I'm doing the TED Talk. I'm like doing all this, right? And I get really fucking pissed at the dogs. I actually get really pissed at Mozzie. But, and, and, and the inside of me, I just, I want to fucking soccer kick him. I'm so mad because he starts acting all a fool. Whoa. And I don't because I realize that what he's doing is something like that I taught him. And I used to think it was really funny and cute when he was a puppy that when we get him up for, get his, get his leash on him, like if the leash came around and like hit him on the head or it tingled on his foot, he would like turn around and like get after the leash. And then I would kind of play tug of war with him oh. and I would do that with him. And so he'd go back and forth and I'd laugh about it. And then when Katrina would go to leash him up and it would happen to her, I'd be laughing at her while she's trying to put the leash on him and he's trying to fucking attack the leash. And so I just, it was something hilarious that he used to do as a puppy all the time. And every once in a while is like an adult. Now he does an adult dog. He does this where, you know, and it, it's always at the worst fucking time. You know, here I am, baby, two dogs, earphones in and shit and I'm and he's trying to take Bentley's trying to take a poop and he's going the opposite direction I'm trying to hold him and when I pull on him the rope comes around like his chest and it pisses him off and he grabs it and he just starts and he's <laughs> pulling on it one direction I'm trying to pick up the poop from Bentley and mind you I've got the baby so I can't bend over I'm like squatting and trying like I'm so fucking I'm a mess <laughs> and after I calm down and, and relax all about it I it gave me I had this thought you know, just because probably because I have Maximus on my chest and I'm thinking about this as a father now. I think, oh, wow, this is a really good lesson for myself. Like there's going to come a time where I'm probably going to teach my son something that I think is really cute and funny now that later on I'm going to go, motherfucker, why did I do that? Now it's coming by me. Yeah. So it made me think I had to ask you guys, obviously, because you've been fathers for much longer. Had there been things that you, that you, your kids either picked up from your own behaviors or mm. that you like actually taught them that you look back now and you're like, fuck, why did I do that? Mm. Yeah. I got a couple. You got some examples? Why don't you start us off, Sal? I definitely have a few. Yeah, I got I knew you guys would. I'm like, well, yeah. So I, like, I think one of the funniest things in the world to me every time, I don't care how many times I've, I've, I've seen it, heard it, are farts. Farts to me are just the funniest. It's like, um, it's like God's joke. You right. know what I mean? And there's never a situation where you hear a fart in public. Think about that. You're in public. You hear a random person farting. I don't care if it's a kid. I don't care if it's an adult. Yeah, it's always good. It's just fucking hilarious. Farts are great. So, you know, and so I grew up that way and I make jokes about it and whatever. And so then I teach my kids. And so then what do my kids do? They fart on everybody. So they walk up (laughs) to people. You know, they're little, and then they got a fart, and they'll run over, and a person thinks they're trying to give them a hug, and mm-hmm. they'll turn around and, push, you know, blast them. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and they, were, they were little kids, you know? They were little, like two or three, and I would crack up laughing, you know, because a three-year-old, a three-year-old <laughs> yeah. who ran up to you, you thought they were going to give you a hug, so you were all happy. You pick them up, and then they fart and laugh at you, and then you put them down, they run away. Yeah. And as a father, I'm just like, this is great. This is like the greatest thing ever. Yeah. It's not cool when they're like 10, 11. Yeah, because then they're 12. eating a lot more. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a lot different. Yeah. It's a, yeah. I had to have that conversation at some point. Like, okay, listen, you can do it to me. I don't, I don't remember what happened. I think it was, I want to say it was my daughter. She was like four. God, she's going to kill me one day when she is. She is totally Yeah. I know they're, they're, they don't do this anymore as much because we've had the conversation, but she was like four or five. And I don't remember what my, my, at the time my wife was doing something and my daughter just bends, just blasts right in the face. She just, <laughs> she just walks up, she <laughs> turns, so great. she puts her butt up to her face and just, and oh, then starts wow. cracking up. Yeah. And I was 
<laughs> died. Yeah. But it pissed off. Oh, that's... Yeah, my ex-wife, it pissed her off that's so always, bad. Yeah. I mean, so. that's always a joke. And I could totally like, I, that could be one of mine as well. I have two other ones that uh, I've uh, taken it upon myself as, you know, I have two boys. So this is kind of a special thing. Like I don't have a girl, so we can actually do this. We go outside and we pee on the trees. And uh, it's a sort of a ritual that we've had for a while where we just, I'm letting the dog out. He's doing his thing. Me and the boys are outside. Perks are living in the country. Pissing on trees. Nobody's watching us or judging us, you know, whatever. It's Everything's fine. Yeah, that all kind of came to a crashing halt once uh, we were downtown uh, Santa Cruz and uh, Courtney and I were in this shop and then I come outside and I see my youngest just pulls pants out. He's peeing on a tree in front of everyone. Like people walking by just laughing. On the sidewalk or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like five and I'm like, okay, this is beyond, like, uh, this is not appropriate. We have to, we can only do this certain places. I got to like explain to him and undo what I've done and then- like a little homeless person. Yes. Just, ah! I knew you would have an example he's like, like that. It's he's just like, yeah, dad, I did. Like he's, he's like, like he championed it. You know, he's just like, look what I can do. Uh, yeah. So there was that, and then uh, there's this one that, uh, and this is a little different. So this is more like I feel like this is going to come back to bite me in the ass way later. And like I was <laughs> immediately tried to like, oh no, cover up what I've done. Like I was uh, one of my clients had like. <laughs> had gotten one of these vape pens that was like a, a vitamin C or not a vi vitamin uh, B12. Mm. And so they're like, Oh, this is new things. This energy you could vape and whatever. I'm like, that's weird. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a try. And so I brought it home and I'm showing Courtney like in my, in my bedroom, I'm like smoking it kind of like, this is weird. I'm like, Oh, watch this. And so I started doing like smoke rings and then like Ethan around the corner, he comes in and he watches me and I'm like doing smoke rings and he's just, I see his eyes looking at me like, whoa, that's cool. How do I do that? Oh, no. I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. Listen, son, this was a joke. Like, and I'm like, try, I'm like, oh no, dude, he's going to like totally run with that later on. You know, <laughs> did you guys, have you guys been seeing all the, the hoopla going around about the vape pens or whatever? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, people dying and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I mean, okay, like two people. Let's talk about this. Yeah, let's. We got to be. Here's uh, the, I, this is the thing I, I hate about media is that it, um, it. Well, it's our fault, right? We're the ones that click on the, the sensational shit. So, according to the media, if you were to if you were to believe the the how how often you see these news articles or how often you see this on the internet, apparently, vape pens are killing you know tens of thousands of people. Every day, it's not super super rare, but they're it's blowing up in terms of uh, people's awareness of these black market uh, vape pens. So that's what's happening. People are getting these black market THC vape pens, and they use like who knows what as solvents, and it's causing allergic reactions and stuff in, in certain kids. But it's not super super common. But it does make me wonder why this like vape hysteria. Because now what they're doing is they're saying their recommendation is don't use any vapes. Everybody, if you have a vape at home, don't use it. So it's like, who's pushing Whoa, that? Hold on a second. Yeah, Marlboro, is that you? Oh, so these haven't, <laughs> these haven't yes. been cases of like brands like Juul no. or like, it's, oh yeah. Because that's no, these really- are, These are black market. That's super popular right now is yeah. that, I mean, that's, I know I still have a lot of family and friends that are still connected in the, the marijuana space and- you know that's that hustle's been going on for a while because it's you'll make a lot more money just that packaging it yourself. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. a lot of these guys just 
package the pens themselves and they ship them out other places and they make a huge markup instead of selling the oil or whatever directly to the... If you use a vape, you want to make sure that it's pure, distilled, nothing else in there and and only go with a super reputable brand. I was going to say, you're probably good if you're going with one of the big brands. Maybe. You probably are. But the best bet, if you want to... Here's your best bet to vape is to buy yourself a fucking volcano and vape the flower yourself. That way you know there's nothing else in there. You know it's what I mean? It's just like the, the steam or whatever. It's Basically what it does is it's, it's heating up the, <laughs> the plant enough to boil off the trichomes and the, you know, the, the, the THC and the CBD and all that other stuff, but it doesn't, it's not hot enough to burn the plant. So what you're breathing in is the, is the steam, essentially, that, that's coming off of it. But what they'll do with these vape pens is they'll take this, these, the flower and they'll, they'll Figure out ways to extract. Yeah, all they that con- stuff. they concentrate it. And one or of they'll most, use one know, of the most popular ways of doing that is with butane. Yeah, and so uh, you yeah. then you then you end up vaping at least some butane. Yeah, right. and butane doesn't leave your system. It's not like something that passes through. Like they say, once that goes in, it stays in. So you just built up. Butane. Yeah, yeah. So that's, <laughs> that's fucked up. And and let me tell you, being somebody who was running the clubs for a long time, you know, when that came out and people were like, okay, no longer butane, CO two is the cleanest source of doing it, and that's what people were doing. The people that were still blowing with butane were lying and saying they were doing it with CO2. Like, mm-hmm. and, I, and I know that firsthand because uh, there was no regulation. There's no regulation around it. So there's all It's a to, new market, yeah, too. So it's, it's, yeah. it's too early for the market to. It's a lot better. Like, vapes today are way better than they were. Are we talking about, I mean, these studies are around tobacco or is it around like marijuana? No, the the kids that were getting sick, uh, there was a couple deaths or whatever, were from these black market marijuana vape pens. Okay. They were not from like the, these, you know, jewel, you know, tobacco ones or whatever, nicotine ones. Right. Yeah. I mean, the truth, truth be told, uh, vapes probably are better for you because you're not inhaling, depending on the kind of vape, but if you get a good one, probably better. Because you're not inhaling, you know, particulate matter, um, but that doesn't mean that they're good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Better doesn't mean good. It just means maybe a little bit better. I mean, I've seen some videos where people like in certain communities where they're just like they they obviously are selling vape mm-hmm. uh, products that like get really defensive when when people like you know like the vape god and all these like people out there like doing these videos where they're just blowing smoke everywhere yeah. and all this and like making it into this big you know production. They're just like, oh, they're doing a disservice. This is a healthy product. I'm like, wait a minute, healthy no. product? No, when they when you look at studies that. No, that's a that's a very good point what you're saying right now because it reminds me of the supplement industry where mm-hmm. we we try and say it's a healthy it's these, these are healthy products when it's like no we ideally still should be eating whole foods just like we ideally shouldn't be smoking anything. Well, they also <laughs> yeah if we're going to well they also they also <clears throat> take a study and then twist it and apply it to their product. So here's an example. So if you look at studies on uh, vaporizing cannabis. And you read vapor versus uh, combusted or, or 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 smoke, you'll find that vapor has like ninety eight or ninety nine percent less particulate matter. So it's almost no burned up plant material whatsoever. <clears throat> so that means less irritation of the lungs, less potential for carcinogenic effects, better delivery of the of the of the medicinal you know properties or aspects or whatever. But the vapes that are used in the studies are the volcano vapes. They're the vapes that heat up the flower and boil off the trichomes, and then you breathe it in. So it's straight from the flower. There's no, there's no extraction process, no chemical extraction process. But what they're doing is they're saying, oh look, the studies show that vapes are or have less particulate matter. That's why you need to buy our vape. That's not the same. What you guys did isn't the same thing. You oh. j- you actually use butane or 
whatever to extract the stuff, right. turn it into a, a, a liquid or a gel, and then you know breathe it in. Right. Not yeah. the same thing at all. Anyway. No. Anyway, did you guys see the uh, Dennis Rodman Thirty for Thirty? No. What's the deal? Oh, with that? I saw a trailer for that. Dude, I really want to watch it. Is it any good? Bro, so good. What's he up to these days? Uh, depressed, dude. Yeah, it's mm. a, it's a very sad. It's sad. It's sad because but- he 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 jumped. He jumped the shark hard, like recently. Um, hanging uh, out with fucking North Korean leader. I mean, he, he's well, part I mean, of the reason like why Trump got introduced to him. How? Because he was the one that first. He was there the, first. He yeah. was there first for for like five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody Trump. forgets that dude. Yeah, he was like our bridge. No, so weird. America. That's he, actually not a bad point. No, no, he, I didn't even think of that way. Yeah, no, it's actually in the documentary. He talks a little bit. It's one of his proudest things is that he he helped make that connection and, and start that process. Wow, I didn't, well, uh, I didn't even think of it that way. Oh, uh, bro, yeah. his story is so. Uh, it was emotional. I mean, it was emotional already, and then it was extra emotional for me. And it actually, man, it made me really think about some things that I, <clears throat> you know, lately I just had yesterday. I, I did an interview too, and sometimes people go back to like my childhood and ask questions about early stuff in my life. And um, I was just came back from my 20 year reunion. So, of course, a lot of my like high school memories are kind of flying through my head. And uh, I definitely was uh, I was known for uh, being very unique and different. Like I was always dressed different than everybody else. I've talked to you guys about I wore crazy hats and I had and I forgot until I was watching this documentary. I just didn't put two and two together in sixth grade. Bad as I want to be. Uh, biography came out, and that was Dennis Rodman's biography. Uh, it was the one where he's naked on the Harley, and it was, it's actually the first book. I got the poster. That did you really? No, no. It <laughs> was the first book <laughs> without the basketball. Yeah, <laughs> that I ever read, cover to cover. And uh, anybody who knows Dennis Rodman, I mean, that was like his part of his personality. But if you know his whole story, he wasn't always like that. It wasn't until when that book got released was really his major transition of kind of like, fuck the world. I'm going to be who I am. I'm not going to be afraid to cry. I'm not going to be afraid to paint my, my toenails or my fingernails. I mean, he dressed like a woman before it was cool. Yeah. Uh, you know yeah. what I mean? Before uh, it was like a thing. Yeah, no. He I, was he was wearing wedding dresses. He really put himself and, out there. Yeah. yeah. It was it was cool to watch. That that was the 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 interesting part too. Like even on uh when he would play in games and things, he would like be extra flashy, like with his hair, with his nails, whatever it was. And he would that was like the only example I remember like at the time. Like you'd see like well, somebody doing that. And you know, th- I he was he's one of my still to this day one of my favorite all time players. I just love the way he played the game. Yes, yeah, such and, a team player, right? And I so I I loved the way he played, and I didn't I I didn't ever really realize where I probably got that from, like the way I dressed and the way I acted. And like it makes so much sense now that that was the first book I ever read cover to cover in sixth grade, hmm. and it probably had way more influence than I even realized that it had. But now, yeah. Like I said, going back to all these reunions and kind of having memories of high school and then watching this documentary like took me back to like, oh, man, I remember when this was in the news and when this was happening. I remember reading the book like I remember I loved the book like, oh, shit, like that explains a lot of probably where my my personality and my attitude kind of came from as a kid. And I tried to obviously model my game around the way he played, too. I was nowhere near the athleticism as he was but you know his story is just in, in why did he say he was depressed did he say what was it was going on oh no you just he's always been like he was he was never really loved man he mm-hmm. had he, he just he that was he was always looking for acceptance uh and seeking for someone to love in fact his first like real relationship or friendship he was like 20 and his like best friend was like 12 hmm. 
and it was the first kid, and this kid was kind of troubled, and it was this white family that took him in because his mother kind of his mother abandoned him, kicked him out when he as soon as his, wait wait he was twelve. He was the no. He was twenty. Oh, okay. He was the twenty-year-old. His mom kicked him out, out out at twenty years old and oh. said, "Figure it out." And he was like sleeping on the street. He his story too. He didn't play ball when he was younger. He sprouted up when he was a- after high school. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he wasn't even like this badass high school player or anything like that. Like hmm. he didn't come on the scene till junior college, and he he grew like a foot in a year, and he had no like. He had no real crazy skills. He was just, he played with so much mm-hmm. passion and it was his outlet because it, nowhere else was he accepted or loved or anything like that. And it was the game that was the only place that, you know, he found some sort of acceptance in hmm. and he played with his whole other level of passion. And then it gets into his relationship. Where do you with, watch these? Is this on um, this was HBO? On, well, I, I mean, I stream it. No, this one was ESPN. ESPN. Oh, okay. And I stream with Sling. So Sling also had it. So Sling played it. Uh, so if you have any sort of if you have any uh, whatever app you're paying for, I don't know. I think Hulu Hulu I think does ESPN. I'm not sure, um, but I also I I pay for ESPN and I have Sling, so I watched it on uh, ESPN. Mm-hmm. But I- anywhere you can get the thirty for thirty. So I, I don't know where other what other places that I'll stream, check that one out. That, that's interesting to me. He's always an interesting person to me. Oh, oh the, yeah. his whole story is is incredible. Very so, very different, and he was different <clears throat> in ways that were not considered the norm back then you know what i mean yeah. like a lot of the stuff that it like, was cool because he was so different yeah, yeah. like now when you, you see people doing some of the stuff he did you think oh you're, you're just you're you're doing yeah. you're following the formula it's a trend now. well yeah. he was, you find out too, i mean he was just being himself i mean when yeah. he was they showed they have video of him when he has two he had two older sisters that were collegiate uh, level playing ball players and they were older than he was and they used to dress him up oh yeah and so there's video of him getting <laughs> like as a five seven year old then the girls because he has two older sisters putting dresses on him and lipstick and they did all that stuff like and so he had a really tight relationship with his sisters and he bonded more with them and so it it makes all kinds of sense that makes sense yeah when you see and and really what the you know him being so um i don't know flamboyant yeah flamboyant about it was kind of him finally like he was holding it all in and it was depression and so it just came out yeah so finally it was just like call that a symptom eruption yeah it was a symptom Mm -hmm. eruption Mm -hmm. and it's just like i'm that's it i decided i'm gonna take this and that and the what happened was when he was in detroit okay with chuck daly who was who became like a father figure for him he bonded so so much with him, and that was the first time he felt like that real love, like that, or a father figure at all in his life. They go on to win two championships. He's like defensive player of the year, like, and they show his interview clips of him crying when he got all that, like, just how important that was to him. And then, and to him, he was such a child. They always talk about how he was 10, 15 years older, but he acted 10, 15 years younger than what he really was because he was very immature in that area. Mm -hmm. And he really didn't even understand how the awards worked in the NBA. He just loved playing the game. He loved his coach, did whatever he was told, wanted to impress his coaches. And, you know, it's it's a business, right? So eventually, you know, championship teams tend to get broken up. Coach ends up getting let, you know, the coach retires, players get, and he just thought this was going to go on forever. And it just rocked his world. Huh. That these they they abandoned him and he has these uh, abandonment wow. issues and that kind of brought out this like fuck everybody fuck the world type of you know I'm gonna be who I am as crazy as it is and and, and Billy, he lived the crazy too I heard a a, oh, yeah. a crazy story like Billy Corbin you know from Smashing Pumpkins he was mm-hmm. on Joe Rogan's podcast and I guess he's like friends with Dennis Rodman 
and uh, like they flew to Vegas and everything like the night before like a a championship game and he's partying till like four in the morning whatever gets like a red eye comes right back and then plays like and plays awesome well that's what they said they were talking the coaches and players were talking about he was like just and it was the most crazy thing that you've ever seen he said this guy played with more passion and they say that today like he's probably the most popular, well-known player who didn't have to score any points on on, on in, at all on the court. Like you just, he played with a level of passion and intensity that we had never really seen before, and that was what was so attractive about him. And then he would fucking party till five o'clock in the morning, take twenty. They had records of him taking like forty shots of Jaeger. Oh my god! And then Jesus. and then coming on the court and just running like a gazelle, An animal, and just out playing and out hustling everybody. And so yeah. nobody said anything to him. It's not yeah, like that's what wild. Did you say at that. Yeah. Point? It makes yeah. you wonder if these people, these success stories, in that sense, as successful as what was with basketball and all that, if that even would have existed had you not had that hard life. You know what I mean? Leading up to it. You know what I mean? I don't believe so. Isn't that weird? No, I believe it totally makes us. At least for me personally, I've come full circle that way of, you know, probably as a young teenage kid, just like I I was emotional because I can identify with a lot of the feelings that I think Mm -hmm. he went through. And Mm. he had a lot of resentment towards his mother, just like I had in my early years of, you know, so angry at her. But then later on, you, you, you start to learn that 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 resentment or whatever those feelings that cause you to be the person that you are. It also developed probably some of the. It hardened me. It made me stronger. It pushed me. Like, mm-hmm. and those things ended up turning. That's what into- I'm saying. Like, if you take and it's statistically, you can see, like, you know, if you took a hundred kids and and you took fifty of them and had them, you know, do the traditional good happy life, on average, they would do a lot better than the other fifty that had a bad life or whatever. But when you, but every once in a while, that hard life turns some kid into a freaking phenom you know yeah. into oprah winfrey or into the next steve jobs or whatever so it's, it is kind of strange isn't well, it? well what i what i identified with is and and this is that you know when you when you're come from someone like or come from something like that and you maybe feel like you weren't loved and you're seeking that you want acceptance you want love and then you finally and you're seeking your whole life and a lot of trouble and hardship and shit going on and then finally something finally clicks in your life you know, you've got years and years and years you of just all, become a yeah, stability. Yeah. You master right, it. right. You you get years and years and years of all this instability and heartache and uh, not feeling accepted, and then all of a sudden you find something that you're passionate and you're good at, and others accept you. And there's, there's got to be a revered level. for it. Yeah, it's and a then, level of dedication that doesn't. Oh, even. and then you're just like, oh my god! Like I finally found something. Uh-huh. Like it's my it's your escape from all the other things that uh, have been, you know, bringing you down and, you know, and he's been to, you know, borderline suicidal and shit like that. And so you find something like that and then you just pour fucking everything into yeah. it, you know? Crazy. Did you guys, what'd you guys think of that documentary, um, The Pursuit? Really oh, good. Oh man, I loved that. Wasn't it, that it, awesome? It's It was very strange because it's like, it's somewhat political, but like Courtney and myself both we were like getting emotional, like watching it and yeah. watching these people's stories. It's not, it's not political, although it will be made into a political documentary. Though. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm just saying that it has like a subject matter that that's talking. It's been politicized. Right, yeah, been politicized. The, the, the guy who made the documentary, Arthur C. Brooke, he's uh, he was a, a professional French horn player and then became an economist and grew up in a very progressive house and. He wanted to figure out, he learned of a statistic that I'm very familiar with, that a lot of people aren't familiar with, which is sad, that between the years 1970 and 2015, I believe, 
um, the world that lived in grinding poverty, the kind of poverty that threatens to kill people. They say less than a dollar a day. Less than a dollar a day. That total population decreased by over 80%. So in other words, within uh, just like 40 years or so, four decades, we took 80% of those people and lifted them out of that type of grinding yeah, poverty. Millions. B- billion. Yeah. Billions. So- how did that happen? Like, and that was way ahead of the the targets that the World Health Organization and all these big organizations had. They said, "Hey, we want to be able to do this by the year 2020," and it was done by like 2010 or something like that. How how did it happen so fast? And so he went and did some investigating and talked to economists on either side, you know, both you know liberal and, and conservative and in the middle, and did his research. And he came back and realized. It was the freeing up of, of markets. It was the opening up. It was globalization. It was the it was free enterprise, people lifting themselves out. This doc and what I like about this documentary so much is he communicates it exactly in the way that I originally fell in love with how markets work. Because mm-hmm. I originally heard Milton Friedman explain how for the the world's poorest, this is what helps them the most. Right. And so this documentary kind of talks about this whole journey and it was it was amazing. It was fascinating. The statistics were crazy. No. As he was going through India and talking about India's progress and, and whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, fascinating stuff. I'm really happy that there's something like this out there and there's someone who's communicating it in a not aggressive, not like counter or you know political way. He's just like, here's how it is and this is what helps yeah, people. Yeah, and the various examples, so like the counter arguments of different uh, you know structures that you know other countries have, and and uh, over in Denmark, for for example, he went there and and interviewed people and showed like you know the benefits and also you know some of the drawbacks to it, and and it's just good to peer in and because you hear people just mm-hmm. throw out you know just willy nilly just examples that you know are are there to like shut down the the argument yeah. or, or the conversation, but let's peer into that a little bit more and see mm-hmm. like what that all entails well, most of that poverty reduction happened after the fall of the Berlin Wall, which was a very symbolic you know it signified the fall of uh you know the, the world superpower uh, the Soviet Union and communism, and so when that happened, world governments um started adopting more and more free enterprise and free market uh, policies. They started lo- lessening regulation, increasing, you know, basically promoting property rights and rule of law. And then that just spurred this incredible growth. And most of it happened in the, in the where you see the world's poorest people who were able to lift themselves out. So it's really cool to go, go through and see that in this documentary. It was really, really well made. Very, very well made documentary. No, I'm looking, uh, I'm looking forward to having him. Oh yeah, I, would, yeah. I can't wait to have oh, him on yeah. the show. If we get him on the show, it'd be amazing. Amazing, amazing. And then the other thing, Bill Burr. Yeah, Bill Burr. God. Yeah, I mean, crushed it, killed it. One two punch. I mean, Bill Burr came out. I, I didn't. I mean, after watching the Chappelle, uh, you know, episode, I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how. I don't know if he's going to go as hard, you know? And of course, Bill Burr, like, what was I thinking? Like, he came in, like, just guns blazing, just like, hey, this is absurd. This is ridiculous. Like, this is... I was like, wow. He, him and Chappelle, Amazing. I think, are just saving comedy. I can't, I can't wait till we go see him, Oh, dude. my gosh, I'm so dude. pumped for that. I think they both saved comedy, I swear to God. Yeah. They came out and just 
just swung the bat at everything they're not supposed to. Well, yeah. the Bill Burr was just <laughs> dropped last night, so it'll be interesting to see the backlash that he gets. I mean, we know it's already been happening. Yeah, it's already yeah. started. Yeah, they did already start. Yeah, I already see reviews and, and uh, the backlash is already happening. Uh, uh, but I was I, surprised it was in England. Like I didn't, I didn't realize like he was going to shoot his special out there in London, right? And so it's like you, you imagine that being a totally different vibe, different crowd, you know, different type. Oh, of you politics, can hear it. You can hear it. Was, it. Yeah, you it's can hear similar. You can hear him taking the audience through some things, and there's like uh, like half the crowd's laughing. I'm, I'm agreeing. With yeah, you the there. other half yeah. not so sure about it. You know, <laughs> that's my favorite kind He's just of roasting everybody. My favorite kind of comedy is somebody who can say the unspeakable but say it in a way where they can and then at the end of it make you kind of laugh a little yeah, bit about and it and make you right. think yeah think about the tension release yeah you know what i'm saying how tense that's what is it is yeah. that's what it is like how tense is shit getting where you're like afraid to say the wrong whatever and then a comedian comes out says it does it in a way to where you know they're not offensive because it's obviously joking in the way they do yeah. it, and it just releases it the just, tension. Yeah, helps everybody breathe a little bit more and be like, ah, oh, okay, yeah, actually we do. We're pretty cool with each other. Like, yeah. What are we doing here? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yesterday we we Jessica and I were watching um, her friend's uh, little daughter. She's adorable, and um, they when her dad came to pick him up, he told me that he just got butcher box because he heard it on our podcast, right? So he just started it, and he said he just started grilled up the meat. And he was asking me all the differences between, because he noticed some differences. He's like, you know, I got the ribeye and I grilled them up and I noticed that they cook faster. I don't know if you guys have noticed this yes. with grass fed. He's like, it cooks faster. Of course, less fat. Yeah. And he goes, and it wasn't as marbled in terms of the fat and it tasted just a little bit different. So I was explaining to him the difference between grass fed and, and grain fed. And I said, you know, I said, here's the thing. Like if you want just pure palatability, like just taste and lots of fat and all that stuff. Grain-fed cows, they, they just produce that kind of meat. But if you're going to eat meat on a regular basis, you want to go with the, the healthier version. And grass-fed is just it's just better for you. It's got you know three times as much omega-3 fatty acids. It's a healthy animal. It's, it is. It is. It's a healthier animal. You're, you're eating, eating something healthy. You're eating a something sick. healthier animal. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't when they're grain-fed, don't it changes the, the fatty acid profile and you end up getting more nines than you get three. Is that right? So the six, the omega-6s are similar. They have lower omega-3 fatty acids. There's like up to five times as much omega-3 fatty acids in grass-fed meat okay, that's what than grain-fed. Right. And, and we get a lot. The Amer typical American diet is so high in omega-6 and 9s and so low in omega-3s. You want to get more 3s. And if you're somebody who eats a lot of red meat, that's a, good, that's a good thing. And not only that, and I think I brought this up a long time ago. I remember reading that uh, it, they actually compete with each other in the cell. So if you get like an abundance or in a, a ton of 6 and 9s, and you get you, the cell can only handle so much, and so it won't absorb the three. So even if you take your fish oil pills or you do something like that, but you're mm -hmm. getting so much six and nine through the rest of your diet, it like cancels it out. It competes with yeah. it. Mm -hmm. So it's it's and you know red meat is an area that uh, that you can get an abundance of omega three. So ideally, you'd want to have something that you're getting most of that. Well, way. red you know red meat has some uh, some great health. Uh, benefits in it. It's very high in B vitamins. Um, it's got, you know, it's if, when it's healthy, iron. it's got a great, uh, uh, you know, can have a good uh, fatty acid profile. It's high in key nutrients, high in creatine, the highest source of creatine that you can find in, in traditional, you know, type meats that we eat would be like a steak. Like a nice steak will have like three grams of creatine in it, right? So, which is good for your brain, good for your heart. And then of course we know it's good for athletic performance. This is why 
uh, when you you know take athletes that consume more red meat than others, they tend to feel more strength mm. and better performance. But if you're going to eat a lot of red meat, like I do, I eat a lot of ground beef, I eat a lot of steak. I eat, uh, you know, uh, I'd say at least three days a week, four days a week, I'm having some some type of red meat. Yeah, me too. Make it. You want to choose the one that's going to have a better health profile. You know what I'm saying? Um, even nutrients, even vitamin A and E, slightly higher mm-hmm. in the in the grass fed stuff. So if you just have one steak, probably not going to make that big of a difference. But if you eat it regularly. It makes a difference to have something that's, and that's what I was trying to explain to him. Well, this is what I've committed to myself to doing, which is, you know, at home, I cook all my my butcher box meat. When I go out to a restaurant is when I'm going to get that marbly grain-fed steak every Mm -hmm, once in a while. mm -hmm. So that's just, and I feel like if I'm doing that, I'm getting, I'm getting a good amount of omega-3s this way. And I'm not having, I'm not having to worry about the one time or every other week that we might potentially go out to dinner and have a steak. Dude, speaking of this, it reminds me, I can't remember the name of the show, which sucks, but I I wish I remembered it. But there was this uh, other show on Netflix where they would go to different countries and explore like a, a, a chef from that area. And so I picked, naturally, I picked the one that went to Italy. <laughs> and there was this butcher there that's really famous in Tuscany. And he serves like the best meat. But he, and he's not a, he's not a chef. He's just a, he's, he calls himself a butcher that likes to cook. And he has these nice restaurants or whatever. But anyway, they were talking about why is your meat so like world, world renowned? And he was talking about how he takes care of the cows. And then they showed him with the cows. And Jessica and I both paused the video and looked at these cows. I'm like, I have never seen more beautiful looking cows in my life. These cows looked totally different than the ones that when you, you know we drive down yeah. down to Gilroy sometimes and you see the cows. These cows the were prize cows. The, 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 their coat was so shiny and they looked yeah. so healthy and they were roaming around and they were eating grass. And we were and I was like, gosh, what you know, of course the meat's gonna yeah. be different. People don't like consider that. that. You know, like how healthy that animal is and how like much of the quality of their life was like, and you're consuming that, like you're, you're buying into that. Like we, we actually like, uh, as, as a family, we went in with another, uh, family and got uh, a prize pig too, for, for the bacon alongside our butcher box and stuff. But it's just like, you wanted more bacon, more, <laughs> they gave me a lifetime, but got bacon for life, on it. dude. <laughs> Bro, their, their whole thing now is like ground meat. And I'm like, I need more bacon. I'm sorry. I just, I need more. Uh, no, they just, they conned us into like getting more, I'm like, we already have butcher box. And they're just like, anyways, it was a prize pig that, that won all these awards and, and you taste, um, you taste the difference. It, it's of course, of course it's going to make a difference. The health of the animal. This is why you guys know why milk, uh, became so as pasteurized now, why they even started doing that with milk. Cause it was never pa- for, for most of the time we've been drinking milk. We drink it from the cow. We just drank it. Then we had to pasteurize it because cows in, America, the, they were raising cows in these industrial cities. They were feeding these cows terribly. They were feeding them like uh, something called brewer's mash, which was like the leftovers of what would happen when you would brew alcohol and beer and stuff like that. Mm. So they'd take those leftover grains and they'd use those to feed the cows. They kept them in these cramped quarters where they couldn't move. And they just give them antibiotics. And to- no, though, this was back, this was a oh. long time ago. Uh-huh. And the cows were sick and infected, and the milk sometimes would even have a slightly blue tint to it. You can Mm. actually look this up. Mm -hmm. And what ended up happening is kids were getting sick and dying. People were dying from drinking this infected, sick milk. And so then then they figured out that you could pasteurize. Pasteurize comes from the word pasteur, which is the scientist that discovered if you heated things up, it would kill the germs or whatever. And they started pasteurizing milk. But when you pasteurize milk, you also kill 
a lot of good stuff. You destroy some of the enzymes and nutrients. Like milk, natural raw milk contains some lactase in it. Lactase mm-hmm. is the enzyme that breaks down breaks down lactose. lactose right. So so, yeah. so sometimes people who can't digest pasteurized milk, if you give them raw milk, they they're okay. Yeah. Um. It also uh. It's if you feed a calf, for example, pasteurized milk, they're not going to grow up as healthy. Well, isn't that one of the hustles too in the milk industry, where the dairy industry, where that they they when they talk about or quote studies about how healthy and how great milk is for you, it's like they're using it for like raw milk type studies of all the benefits of it, but then it's really <laughs> pasteurized and homogenized. Could be, sense. I mean, it could be. I mean, it's it's so. I mean, the studies show that the full fat milk is better for you, not. But yeah, so that's why we we had to do that. But the reality is, if you have healthy cows that are pasture fed. And you you can drink milk from them, and the risk of be getting sick from their milk is extreme. Turns out it's a lot better low. for you. Totally. Today's Quaw is brought to you by Maps Anabolic. If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, Maps Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpumpmedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking quaw. The eagle has landed. All right, our first question is from Jesse Jesus. What pre-workout do you take and what do you recommend for someone who has a caffeine tolerance? Mm, pre-workout. Know, I've been workout. I've been on that coffee. Lately. Yeah, Man, it's it's someone was asking when you someone asked me uh what you took the other day when you were uh, throwing shit in my face. Yeah. <laughs> I and I, I I couldn't I couldn't answer because I don't know because we get sent I mean that's probably the number one thing I'd say we get said to us would be pre-workout and supplements ironically yeah you gotta you gotta ask yourself before you decide what you want to take or what's worth taking what is your goal with taking a pre-workout like what's the goal is the goal to uh have more energy better performance stamina more strength cognitive boost maybe cognitive boost maybe improve recovery um, get a better pump. Like these tend to be goals that people have with pre-workouts. And then ask yourself what things contribute to those the most. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's some of the stuff that will do that the most. Be well hydrated. Okay, no joke. There is no citrulline, arginine pump boosting matrix. Yeah, you get a much better pump. That yeah, nothing's gonna give you a better pump than just being well hydrated in your workout. All those things ain't gonna do shit. You could take Viagra, which is a better vasodilator than all those things combined. And you're not going to get a better pump uh, than you will if you're well hydrated. So that's number one. Uh, number two, um, stimulant. Is a stimulant going to help you with your workout? Well, yeah, it, it probably will. And the one that has the best evidence to support it is just good old-fashioned caffeine, which is easy to find. Yeah, It's easy to find caffeine. You can find it in, in yeah, coffee. Cheap, cheaper, get pill form. Pill form. It's inexpensive. Yeah. You can find it. You can get coffee. And coffee's healthy. It's got antioxidants See, and stuff like that. Pills form never did it for me, though. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't. I guess you have to time it like perfectly, but it's still not. When right. I was competing, that's what I just carried the. Yeah, you know, I think they're twenty-five milligram pills or fifty milligram pills that I used to just keep in my my gym bag and and use them on the day. Here's I, here's how I use them. It's it's only for the. I need to keep consistent, and today I don't feel like going in the gym, and I need that extra oomph to do there to get in there, and the thing that I have to be careful of is that being the motivation and then it creeping into a regular thing. Mm. Cuz then it's really hard Your tolerance for, starts to 
Well, not only that, not only does the tolerance come up, but then it's also masking what could be going on. Like maybe I really just need to rest. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Maybe I, you know, maybe I, and that's, and this is close to home for me right now because I've probably had more pre-workout in the last three months than I have in the last 10 years. Uh, I mean, maybe that's not true because when I was competing, I was having it probably uh, as frequent as I feel I'm having it right now. So I, I'm, I'm having it more frequent than usual. And I know that's because I'm fucking tired. You know, I'm, I'm rarely getting more than four hours of sleep on nights. Uh, I got a lot of stuff going on. Um, I was out of town just recently. And yet I'm also trying to stay consistent with my training. And, you know, we get done podcasting. We're sitting under these fucking lights that I can't, you know, that just make me feel drowsy afterwards. And then I want to go out there and lift. And I'm just like, I'm not in it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I need to have a pre-workout. And so I have, you know, and I, but what I also have noticed is that's turned into, you know, every once in a while to turning into almost every time that I'm working out. And then I have to ask myself, you know, am I doing more good or doing more harm than good by masking how I probably feel when my body's probably telling me I need to rest a little? Yeah, I think for me too, the, um, the ritual of it all, like, uh, I think like psychologically, uh, I, I found myself like, needing to have certain things like that. I needed to have the stimulant. I needed to have, um, you know, the, the certain types of shoes or, or whatever it was I was bringing into the workout or the certain type of music. I, I really had to have like the angriest music possible for me to get a good workout. Otherwise, like why even do it? You know? And, um, I, I, f- I feel like there's, there's a lot of examples of that I've seen with people that are just like, they got to have their pre-workout and it's like all part of this, like, you know, ritual where, uh, you know, if you don't have that, all of a sudden it's like detrimental. And so I tried to break that whole cycle for myself and, and just go in sometimes where I'm just not feeling it, but just start slowly going through the movements and then seeing how my body feels. And again, yeah, it masks a lot of like, you know, how, how you're the state of, of your, your central nervous system, everything like at the, at the time. So you have to pay attention to, uh, you know, like why you're really needing to include it every single time. But, well, caffeine will give you a performance boost uh, when you work out, but ca- but you have to be sensitized or sensitive to caffeine um, for it to work. And what I mean by that is if you have caffeine every day, then having it before you work out is going to take you from tired to baseline to normal. What you want, if you want to use caffeine as a pre-workout, is you want the caffeine to take you at, from baseline to a bit higher. And the way you do that is you take time off in between. Ideally, for performance benefits, um, caffeine should be taken maybe for three days a week for your three hardest workouts. So if you work out five days a week, don't take it two of those days. Make sure it's the easy days and take it on the three hard workouts. If you take it every day, it loses its effect. And people who have caffeine every single day know this. It's like, I drink my coffee every morning and then it makes me normal. Um, so that's that's how you want to use caffeine. As far as amino acids are concerned, because you look at pre-workouts and like, oh, it's got branching amino acids to prevent muscle breakdown. It's got essential amino acids. to. Okay, here's a cheap way to do that. Okay, uh, An hour and a half or two hours before, eat a piece of chicken. It's got more amino acids uh, than your amino acid powder. Or if you want the, if you like the powder, just take a scoop of protein powder. You'll have more branched amino acids and essential amino acids in that than your pre-workout is going to provide you. As far as the pump is concerned, citrulline may increase blood flow a little bit, but it's probably largely a waste of money and time. Um, if the thing that might in, give you a better pump than that would be like beetroot extract. 
Um, beetroots or beets in high doses have been shown to improve um, performance. You can buy beetroot extract that's pretty inexpensive. I know Organifi makes a red juice that's got that in there, so you could even try something like that. But even that, that increase in nitric oxide, that small boost, isn't going to do a whole big thing. No. In um, fact, what I worry more about is if my if my body should be resting and I'm masking it with all this shit that I'm putting in, I probably would have benefited more from either toning my workout down or taking the day off and resting. You're right. That- it's, it's not listening to your body, is it? Right. It's like you're mm-hmm. walking in and you're like, fuck the signals. My body's telling me I'm going to, yeah. you know, it's like, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like this. It's like, oh man, my shoulder fucking hurts. There's no way I can bench press. And then a doctor comes in, cortisone shot. Yeah. I'm going to fucking bench. bench. Yeah. Is that yeah. a good idea? Right. Not at all. Right. So that, you make an excellent point, Adam. That's my, that's my only concern with myself personally. And I know I can't be the only person that's like that who, who uses it just because they, they want it to, to get them up and go, yeah. right? It's, so, a, it's, it's one of the most successful um, supplement categories. Well, because you can around. feel it. Well, because it's fun. It's, because and you can ramp yourself up way too high where it messes because, up your workout. It's yeah. anything, that we ever, anything that we ever try or do that you can feel. There's no, and that's the, honestly they're why the you know beta alanine and the citrulline, which what's it beta, beta alanine is the one that gives you the, you the tingles, yeah the tingles, yeah, and I think people, I mean, I hate that part. It's so funny. It's like I take, I like it. I hate that. <laughs> really, it makes like my it. face fucking itch and me all, and it, my like fingertips it. tingle, and I'm like, no, I don't like that. Yeah. But people I know love that, and. Yeah. I think it's because you can feel it because you're like, oh, it's working, bro. It's brilliant. I fucking I'm and, and the niacin makes you start sweating if you, early. If you go to the if you go to us like these big conventions like the Arnold Classic or whatever, and it's like 99 percent supplements that they're selling or whatever, and you see what they're handing out, the free samples, it's all pre workouts. Yeah. Because if they hand something else out, I mean, I guess you could take a protein and be like, oh, that tastes good, but you're not gonna feel anything. No. But pre workout, I could take it, walk around, come back and be like, I feel that. Let me buy a bottle of that. Give shit. me more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Um, beta alanine does improve performance, um, but again, it's these are small boosts. It's not going to come close to good diet and sleep and all that stuff. Um, cordyceps. I like cordyceps for really long, grueling workouts. Um, I like to take ashwagandha with a lot of caffeine or theanine with the caffeine to make it feel better. But it just feels good and it's fun. But honestly, um, it doesn't make. It, you could take. I would love to see a comparison of groups. I don't think these exist where they take a group of men, you know, a group of uh, of athletes, I should say, and they say, okay, do the same workout, same diet, good sleep. Yeah. You take a pre workout, you don't. Let's see who builds more muscle. You know, as long as everything else is controlled, like forget the creatine, because sometimes pre workouts include creatine. That'll make you build muscle, right? But it's not the pre-workouts, the creatine. So if you just did the pre-workout stuff, I'd love to see the study that shows you build more muscle. Probably won't find one. No, no. I don't think so. Next question is from Shea Goes West. How do you make the most of your rest time during a workout? This, Send nudes. Yeah. You rest. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't do much. You guys ever have a cha- uh, the clients that would challenge be challenging for rest? You know, like you, they're resting, like, okay, well, what do I do while I'm sitting here? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. They just yeah. super antsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, stop. Oh, stop. And then you see <laughs> trainers. No, but I, I, I can go again. I can go again. I'm fine. I can go oh, again. Yeah. I totally remember. That's trainers that feed into that that will, like, just make up things that, that, that they're telling them to rest, but it's really with rubber band exercises in between. Oh, but while you're resting, you can do these exercises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, if you look at the whole picture of the workout and all the components within the workout, that contribute to all the results you're going to get, the signal that sends that it sends to your body to tell it to build muscle, get stronger, burn body fat, improve mobility. If you look at the whole picture 
a big piece of that picture that contributes to that is the rest period. Okay. So the rest period is not just time in between the workout, you know, time in between the sets, the stuff that does stuff. The rest period actually serves as a role in that big picture. Because if we took your workout and eliminated the rest period, so you had no rest period, your workout would not send the same signal. It would not be nearly as effective. Yeah, I like to walk, you know, walk around real slow, like like nothing like real rigorous, but like to just, you know, get blood flow and and try and bring my heart rate down and and really use that time to almost meditate. So I'm just focusing on uh, if I'm really in right, you know, and, and I'm doing something like a really heavy squat day where I'm just like focused on okay, how can I improve my next my next set? Like I want to like think about little intricate movements that new little nuance things that I was doing that I could improve and and I'm just like focusing and meditating on that and uh, trying to block everything else out it's really just like the practice of being present you mm-hmm. know that that to me is is rest it really it really depends if I'm training or I'm exercising there's a there's a big difference for me this is like a sauce and juice thing isn't it kind of <laughs> okay. yeah. you gotta have the sauce yeah. you no, explain there's, it there's there's training and then there's exercising and they're completely different. Um, I would say right now I'm exercising, which I am not trying to make major moves to my body. If if I fluctuate up or down body fat percentage, if I get stronger, a little weaker, it's not, I'm not thinking about it because I'm not really training. I'm just exercising. I'm doing things to keep me healthy. And because of that, I can do other things like during rest periods, I can respond to text messages, I can get on my DMs and answer questions for a minute or two and then go back and I'm not really focused. I'm not really I'm not really stressing or trying to make really make moves in the gym and be completely all about my training protocol. When I'm fucking training and I'm trying to make moves, um that that minute and a half to 2 minutes, I am actually I don't want to be thinking about anything else but what I'm doing. Like what I just, what, what movement I just did, how well I did it, were my feet grounded right? Was my grip really good? Did my hips come up too soon? Did I not squeeze the right way? Like I am so into the workout and I love this too. This is, that has to be one of the best feelings. Oh, it's <laughs> man. When, when I get in a zone like that, this is why too, I like the noise cancellation, big headphones on my head and my music playing loud and I can't hear any, any other noises in the gym. And I am like tunnel vision. I mean, Katrina used to always trip out on this when we first started dating because she'd be like I I never I would not pay attention to beautiful girls walking around me it's like I am all about my training right now and when I'm doing that um yeah that that minute and a half to two minutes is complete focus on what I'm in the middle of and what I'm doing and I'm just engulfed in that then there's exercise and that's what I'm kind of doing right now I'm not I just want to stay healthy. I want to be mobile and fit and, you know, move my joints around and get and be strong. But I, I'm not tracking and measuring and uh, making sure that I'm increasing my volume every workout. Um, I'm Your stopped. goals aren't as intense. Right. Uh-huh. So I, I think that this really matters. It, when you when you ask a question like this, like how what's your rest period could look like? Well, your rest period could look however the fuck you want it to look like. It's your yeah. rest period. Yeah, it's a, it's some people treat their their workouts like when they're doing the exercise. That's the rest period from them texting on their phone. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're while they're resting, yeah. I'm texting my friend. <laughs> oh, I got to take a break to do a set, and then they go back to texting their friend. What? You're not, and you're still working out. You're exercising. You're still exercising. You're yeah. still doing your thing. That's fine, I guess. But if you want to take it to another level. Um, there's a level of focus that you'll have in your that you should have in your rest period where you're 
thinking about the next set. Like, okay, what I'm going to do, how I feel, um, how that previous set felt. Now, here's another thing that I started doing recently. We had Paul Check here a while ago, and he talked about painting in between sets because mm. it's a, it opens up the creative part of the brain. And as he was saying that, I was thinking to myself about what I tend to do sometimes in between sets. Sometimes in between sets, I get my best ideas, and I have a whole... I have at least, I don't know, 100 pages of notes on my iPhone of notes of ideas that I have, whether it's I look up, a, like I'll think of something and I want to look up a study and I'll look it up in between the sets. I'll read about it and I want to do a post or something I want to bring up on the show or a different way of communicating a, a particular topic. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes what I do in between sets is I'll do my set and then in between I'll, I'll go into my creative space and write what I want to write. And then I go back to my workout. And that's a very interesting feeling. It's a, it's a great feeling of aggression and focus and then creative flow. And then I go back and forth. And the whole time, the workout flies. And I just feel I feel like, wow, I just did an hour workout and it felt like five minutes. Yeah. That's a great place to be too. But it's, it's a close second. It's not as awesome as being just like when you're training, like you said, Adam, where you're just there. You ever go to the gym and work out with a hoodie on? And oh, just yeah. put the headphones on, put the hood, the, oh, yeah, the, the hoodie over your head, and you don't give up. Like they could fucking people could die next to you. You yeah. didn't even notice, <laughs> dude. You know? That Paul Check painting concept makes a lot of sense. And I have yet to try it out. Like I'd be curious to see what that feels like. You know, getting in that creative mindset right in between. You know, your aggressive state. Yeah, what I'll do is I'll go into the workout and I'll have the uh, the thing I know I want to think about. So I'll say, okay, I want to communicate. Like, how do I communicate, uh, you know, fat intake and how it's not necessarily, but something, some, something that we've been talking about on the show, but I want to find a way to really hit it home. So I'll go to the workout with the intention of thinking about that. Then I'll do my set. And then in between, I'll just sit there and think. And oftentimes, some of the best ideas pop up. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's because I'm occupying my body or I'm pushing myself so hard. But it does open up that that channel of creativity. I should creativity. jam my guitar in between deadlifts. You, you, well, you have your gym at home. You could yeah, totally do that. I'm going to do it. Next question is from S Norris six twenty. What do you do or not do when you get bored with training? Change your goals. I'm always doing this. Mm. I sometimes and sometimes too. I change my goals fast. Like you don't wait until you're completely bored, though. Yeah, I noticed you kind of wait. And you kind of you'll you'll. I beat it. Yeah, that's what I mean. You're, I beat I, I, it. Yeah, I know. I well, I know myself well enough. I know like if it's uh, and this is where we all have some stuff in similar where, where we're similar where. You know, I'm kind of, when I'm into something, I'm into something. I'm all about it. You know what I'm saying? If I'm into swimming, I've got the goggles, I've got the headphones, I've got the cap. I'm like consistent with it. I'm, Speedos are there. Yeah, I'm measuring, I'm tracking yeah. in my progress. Shaving I'm, legs. I'm reading, I'm reading Brazilian the, wax, reading the books on it. I'm watching the fucking TED Talks on it. I'm all <laughs> yeah. about it. And then when I'm over it, I'm over it. And even and if I even start to see myself dying off of it, and what I started, like, for, and I'm using swimming as an example because it's, it's an example of this that I've recently gone through and people have asked me, are you still swimming right now? And I'm like, ah, I really fell off of swimming. Not because I'm like a, a wuss and I'm inconsistent. It was because I, I, I really enjoyed the process of uh, teaching myself how to swim better and, and, and learn the mechanics of it and getting into it. Got into that a lot. Like, wow, I suck at this and I'm kind of actually naturally good. And yet I have a lot to learn and get better at. This is interesting to me. This is fun. And I was reaping some benefits from it, like as far as mobility and just and, and the cardio endurance, like enjoying this. Well, I was enjoying it so much that it was it was cutting into my time in the lifting weights. And over a couple months there of being consistent with the swimming and not so consistent with the weight training, 
I started to see the physical change in my body that I didn't like. And that started to bother me a little bit. And I could have, you know, stuck with the training and the, and the swimming because I've announced it on the podcast and I told people that I'm all into it. Um, but I don't give a fuck about that. You know, I care about what I like and what I'm into. And before, instead of sticking to it when I'm not happy and I'm not enjoying it or I'm not liking something about it, I shifted goals. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I always encourage this when I'm coaching and teaching clients that, you know, just because your ultimate goal may be to lose 30 pounds, it's, I think, a really healthy practice to have all these other little small goals in between there. And they could be as simple as like, an eating habit that you notice about yourself. I talk about my my Diet Coke thing. That's that's a goal. Like it was a goal for me first. Like it started as a, I don't want to do this this often. So let's start working towards that. And what it does, it just keeps me, it keeps me fresh and it keeps me accomplishing different things and it gains momentum towards others. And you don't get so myopic about your training that it's like, oh, this is my goal. So I can only do these things. I mean, that, it's really tough to be. You you almost have to turn into the obsessive person that that eventually turns into being unhealthy to to be that way. Totally. You know? If you if you consider if you look at all the factors that will contribute to um, having a having improved health and longevity, so like long term health success, and we look at all the factors: your workout design, you know, the reps that you do, the time of day you work out, all that stuff, and we. We prioritize them in terms of most important, most impactful, all the way down to the least impactful. The single most impactful factor that will contribute to longevity and health is consistency. There is no factor that is more important than that. Okay, So a consistent, dumb workout is going to give you better long-term results than a phenomenal, amazingly planned workout that you're super inconsistent with. That's the bottom line. So Whatever you need to do to keep yourself from stopping, it doesn't matter. Sure, there's better workouts than others, but just being active consistently is the most important thing. And there's so many different ways you can work out. There's so many different mm -hmm. modalities, so many different ways you can do resistance training, so many different classes and courses you can take. You can do things outdoors, indoors, in the water. You could lift weights or kettlebells. You could do yoga. You could work out with a stick. You could do just body weight stuff. So many different modalities and methods. You could change them every single month and you'll probably never run out for the rest of your life. Well, so, this is why we create all the programs that we do. Totally. Mm -hmm. I mean, because that's the idea. Like if you were right now in this kick of improving improving your performance and you know getting back to feeling athletic like you did when you were 20 you know we have a program you follow maps performance like that and you know what if you're enjoying it and you're loving it and you're seeing progress nothing stops you from running that a second or a third time oh, i'll tell you what if you want to do if you want to have a year you want to have a full year where you're working out and then right when shit's in a high gear you're doing great and you're like okay i think i got the hang of this but you know it's not as exciting boom change gears to a different type of goal a different kind of workout mm -hmm. and you want to do that for a whole year the the map super bundle yeah do the super bundle and you have a workout for every basically every quarter set up and ready for you and you just follow it that and way. they're very different and they're mm -hmm. very different they're yeah. very very different but again it's like and now here now there's a flip side to this the flip side is you need to make peace with the fact that you're not going to be super hyped, motivated, and excited every time you work out. Okay. Yeah. So, and the reason why it's, that's an, important to like understand and accept is because you don't want to be these people that are constantly chasing the super high motivating type workouts because that can't last regardless. 
and you'll end up doing the, you'll end up becoming inconsistent. You'll be extremely inconsistent. You'll like, oh my god, this new class is so exciting, and then now I'm burnt out and I don't have any more motivation. Well, I don't this is work out. goes right back to the, the previous question. I mean, this is what I meant by the difference between training and exercise, and that's I weave in and out. I weave in and out of being very focused on a serious goal of trying to improve or change something. Like when I first started swimming, I was training. It wasn't just swimming for fun. I didn't get in a pool and like leisurely go up and down. Splash your friends. Yeah, splash with my friends. Right? <laughs> no, I was in there. I was tracking my laps. I was tracking my time. I was paying attention to my stroke. I was going back, reading books. Like I was training. I was into it. It's not always going to be that way. Yeah. And that's eventually going to run out. It did. It ran out for me. The excitement mm -hmm. of getting better, improving ran out. Now, I didn't just like throw away like fucking getting in shape or staying healthy or that. I just said I I changed my focus. And then right now it's more kind of exercise right now. I'm not really trying to make moves. So be okay with the weaving in and out of I'm hardcore motivated. I'm hardcore training right now. And then right now I'm exercising mm -hmm. and I'm just staying healthy. I think it's the same principles, right? Like uh, what's good for the brain is also good for the body and vice versa. And I think that... You know, you definitely get a lot of uh, benefits to mentally by changing it up, like learning a new skill, going through a, a whole different journey. And um, you, you know, what you take away from that, you can also apply towards relationships, towards your job, towards, uh, you know, whatever focuses in life that you have beyond just like your aesthetics and your health. Uh, the, the thing is to be able to, you know, plan for that and, and have that change of stimulus like ready to go so you can just keep keep that machine turning and and have everything burning clean and optimal yeah I, i've never been bored with uh with lifting weights it's it's all it's something i've been consistent with since i was 14 always i love it but the way i lift weights has changed and it changes so much and so often there's so many your life changes it, yeah everything but everything changes and, and and that's the point the point is be active and work out that's more important than the type of workout you do, of course, barring the extremes where you hurt yourself or you whatever. It's being active. That's number one. So, And there's a lot of different things you do. Have fun. Go try them all out. Next question is from Alan A. Greenery. Should macros change during a deload week? There's, yeah. an, there's an argument that I, you make for both, I think. You can. Uh, you're probably – I mean, it really depends on um, – I mean, if you're taking a deload week, I'm assuming – that you were probably you had a, a a relatively high volume of training, right? Like like, like you need the deload week. Yeah, right. You don't. You're not like somebody who trains one time a week and you're like, I need a deload week. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're probably training five days a week or more, and probably a, a good amount of volume. And and the deload week, you're probably being smart and scheduling it in there because you need it. So if if that's the case, then it's probably safe to say too that you're probably the demand of calories that your body needs is probably significantly higher than somebody who's not uh, weight training every single day, right? I mean, if if I'm lifting five to seven days a week and, and training relatively hard and pretty high volume, I'm probably consuming a solid 1,500 calories uh, a day almost more than that. Probably 1,000 to 1,500 more calories a day. That's a fucking lot. And this is for you. Yeah, this yeah. is me personally. Now, that's all, it's all relative to your size and, you know, if you're training to gain and lift, whatever, whatever. But point being that... You know, if you're going to not replace that with another activity of movement, um, there's probably going to be a dramatic change in the uh, amount of calories that your body needs. And you want to be careful not to probably put on a bunch of body now, fat. Now, the argument on the other side of it would be like this um, is, OK, I'm, I'm going to do this deload week. The goal is to recover, allow my body to rest a little bit. 
I'm going to keep my calories the same to send a, an additional signal of speeding up its metabolism or at least not slowing its metabolism down with higher calories and nourishing my body. Now, this won't work if you do it for two or three weeks or four weeks, then definitely change your macros. But if it's a four-day, five-day deload or a seven-day deload, I like to keep my calories the same. Yeah, that's and, a great point because the amount of the amount of body fat you could even put on in one week is not that much. Not, no. not if you're just keeping the calories the same. You could definitely do some damage if you increase. If you deload everything. Yeah. Because that's what I, I know guys that'll do that. They'll deload their workout, and then it also means I'm going to eat pizza every day on top of it. That's a whole <laughs> yeah. different... That's a whole different really ballgame. relax. But no, keep it the same. Do your deload. And what I find when I do this is I come back to the gym stronger. Yeah. If I cut my calories while doing the deload, I seem to lower the strength-boosting recovery effect. It's like I want to I want to nourish my body, but I also want to rest it at the same time. There's Honestly, there's probably – there's going to be a – a, a spectrum for everybody and there's probably a sweet spot somebody may be towards one side of the spectrum where they keep their calories all the way up there'll be somebody who has to reduce it drastic, drastically and then there's probably people that are going to land somewhere in between you have to kind of make that judgment call but you bring up a great point sal that i mean even if you did yeah even keep, if it was just a week yeah if you keep because you're you're not going to make the difference of uh moving that much less to put on three to five pounds of fat in a right. week in one week's time yeah. unless you did some bullshit eating where you just also then you also over consume yeah, we would also manipulate the the macronutrients like uh, up your fats a bit and you know make it a little bit more less inflammatory in yeah some people of, yeah. would say lower your carbs right. and stuff like that but I, I keep it the same and what Pretty i much the same. what i find is if i gain a pound of body fat during that deload week with the, with the same calories when i go back and work out again the extra rest the extra strength balances it right back out. I go right back to, and sometimes surpass yeah. where I was before. I've even done this. I don't know if you've, Adam, I, I would be curious to see if you've ever experienced this because you've you kept such meticulous records. Have you ever done a deload week, kept your calories the same and gotten a little leaner? Have you ever seen weird shit like oh, that? Yeah, no. When I'm, when I was competing, that was a case. That's happened to me more than once. Yeah. And that's all. That's always the sign to me that I was pushing too hard. Yeah. That I wasn't allowing my body to do what it's supposed to do, and by backing off of the stress, that all of a sudden I saw a better results. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, I've seen that before. That's always a key indicator that I was overreaching too much and pushing, and that was more common when I was competing than than it would in a normal day life. Now. Totally. And with that, go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides. They're all absolutely free. You can also find all of us on Instagram. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal, Adam at Mind Pump Adam, and Justin at Mind Pump Justin. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.